0: Good morning. We'd like to welcome you to church this morning. Please stand and join us as we sing our praises to God together.
1: have new mercies for me every day. Your love never fails. You, you say stay the same. same. Wanna be close, close to your side, so heaven is real.
2: Pray today that through your Spirit we will have a sense of engaging you in this time of worship. Thank you for being present with us, be glorified in all that we do in this hour together. We ask this through Christ. Amen. Share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. Okay, so it's pretty cold out there today, you might have noticed that. Uh, I'm not trying to dress up a little more this morning, I'm just trying to stay warm here. Uh, but, so because of the cold, uh, the youth group is not going to be meeting tonight. Uh, it's supposed to be like wind chills of minus 40 or something. Uh, so they're, they're not going to meet tonight, and also the, the small group that meets at the church tonight is not going to be meeting as well. So uh, just uh, be aware of that. And uh, each of the small groups who meet in homes uh, can kind of make their own decisions about whether they're going to meet or not. So you may want to check with uh, the host or the leaders uh, to make sure that uh, everyone's on the same page with uh, what your group is doing. Uh, there, uh, just a, uh, one announcement I want to highlight in the bulletin. Uh, this Thursday, or this Wednesday night, is Ash Wednesday, and so we'll be having a service here at 6.30. And uh, because of the uh, Fillmore break... And uh, we won't be having any of the children's ministries, so we invite you to the Ash Wednesday service. And uh, this is a powerful time to begin the season of Lent, a uh, time of contemplation and, uh, and prayer, silence, and just thinking about uh, as our minds are tuned into the passion of Christ. And uh, in also along with that, on the Thursdays of Lent, we are going to be having 24 hours of prayer. Similar to the prayer vigils that we've done uh, in the past, we'll be uh, opening up the prayer room from 6 a.m. on Thursday to 6 a.m. on Friday, and you can sign up to come and pray. And in addition to those, uh, just the regular prayer times at noon, at 6 p.m., and at 10 p.m., we're going to be having times of corporate prayer. And uh, this will include uh, some time of communion and also uh, time of praying together. And uh, we've done the past few years a journey to the cross on Good Friday in the community room. Uh, This year we're not doing that, but we're taking elements of that, and uh, each of the Thursdays we'll be highlighting uh, those elements and sort of progressing from uh, the chronological events of those last hours of Jesus' life through uh, to the tomb. And so we encourage you to be a part of of these gatherings. If you can, you can pick one of those times. uh, that might work best for you or your family, and um, to come. And it, I think you'll experience the, uh, the most out of it by coming every week. And as you see, together we'll be drawing closer and closer uh, to the, uh, the death of Christ and uh, the events of that. So we, we invite you to, uh, to begin this Thursday at noon, 6 p.m., 10 p.m. We'll pick one of those times, and uh, each week to be a part of those gatherings. We're going to ask the ushers to come and assist us in the giving of our tithes and offerings. praying together, if you'd like to come and use the altar rail as the place where you offer your prayers, please come and join me. Father, in the ups and downs of life, the good times and the bad times, we come to you, we open our hearts to you, we bow before you, knowing that you are always the same, loving, forgiving, healing our brokenness. We come today in gratitude for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, and for the gift of your Holy Spirit. We ask, Father, that you will help each of us as we live out our lives with you and for you. Father, this morning as we gather, there are numerous things that are on our minds and hearts. Some of us have had some struggles this week and we come today seeking forgiveness. Help us to hear your words of forgiveness. Some of us, Lord, this week have had some difficulties in relationships and we come this morning asking that you will bring healing to what is broken. Help us to hear your words and to see your merciful acts of restoration. Father, there are some of us who come today with hearts that are weighed down with grief and loss, pain. We pray for your comforting presence and for your healing grace. We pray especially today for those who are struggling with health concerns. For Beulah Avery and Jill Tyson, for Priscilla Waltz and Vesta Mullen, for Tim Nichols and Bruce Brenneman, for Bill Roski and Bev Rett, for Micah Christensen and Linda Roth, for Isla Shea and Edna Howard, for Crystal Blake and Emily Crickler, and for others for whom our hearts are burdened today. We pray for your healing, mercy, and grace. Father, we continue to pray for our world. We pray for all who are still suffering from the Ebola virus and the effects of that, and the grief and loss and pain. And we ask that you would bring your healing to each person. Father, we pray for our world. Sometimes it's hard for us to comprehend why there is so much violence in our world, so much suffering and pain. We cannot answer all of the questions, but we believe that you are at work in every circumstance, in every place, and among every people. And we ask that you will continue to bring healing and peace in our needy world. Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in this world who are struggling with threats, opposition, persecution. We ask that you would give strength and courage and grace in unlimited measure to each of them. Father, we think especially of the church in Sierra Leone. We thank you for the leaders that are are, are being trained and we pray that you will, you will give to them all that they need to continue to lead your people and to continue to be your church. We pray, Father, for the church in the Czech Republic. We thank you for what you are doing there and we pr- thank you for the work there. And we pray that you will continue to raise up leaders among the believers in the church in this country as well. Father, we pray for your presence and your grace among us here. Continue to knit us together through the unity of your spirit. Continue to fill us with love and grace for each other and for the world. And Father, we pray that you will be evident in our lives individually and corporately. Be glorified as we live for you. We pray all of this, Father, through the grace and mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who teaches us the model for prayer, which we now pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation.
0: Please turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 17. may stand for the gospel reading, and following the reading, children will be dismissed for children's church and junior church. John chapter 15, 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command. Love each other.
1: <laughs> Stir Help us count all things
2: I read recently about a, a guy who, every time he has a conversation with someone, when the conversation is finished, he, he shakes the person's hand, looks them squarely in the eye, and says, Whatever you do, don't miss the joy. Whatever you do, don't miss the joy i 've been pondering those words as i 'm thinking about the this passage that we read from john 's Gospel this morning i 'm convinced as I read this passage and as I listen to what Jesus says, that one of the god's desire for us and for all of his creatures is joy. Now, not everyone seems to be sending that message, who is a follower of Jesus. I wonder sometimes what people would say if we took a poll and asked them, what, what would you, how would you describe Christians? Would you describe them as joyful or not? And we probably get a mixed response to that, depending on who they've interacted with and, and how they have connected with people. But sometimes the joy that we talk about is in spite of the image that we project. How we live our lives. And I think sometimes all of us need to hear those words from this, somebody needs to look us in the eye and say, whatever you do, don't miss the joy because it seems like maybe we're missing it. And when we read this passage of that, that, that Jesus here in John 15, again, it's the last hours before he's arrested and, and, he is, and he goes to the cross and he says to his disciples, I'm telling you all of this, everything I'm saying to you is because I want you to be filled with my joy. Now he tells them the joy, the source of the joy is him. He is the source of the joy. And he, and he describes in this setting that his being the source is that he is the true vine. He is the true vine. Now, there, Jesus, it's an interesting phrase he used. He said, I am the true vine. And we go back to these I am statements where Jesus says in John 8, he says, Before Abraham was, I am. And he's declaring in those words that he is Yahweh. He is God. Everything that they've thought about God through the centuries, this is Jesus. And they're wrestling to understand that. And here is one more of the places where he declares, I am. Because in the Old Testament, this idea of the vine was connected with the nation of Israel. In Isaiah, in Jeremiah, in the Psalms. Numerous places, God says, Israel, you are my vine. In the temple, they, in, the, in the ornate decorations of the temple, they had grapevines engraved into the stone to remind them that they are God's vine. And it was a part of who they were and how they understood themselves. And now Jesus comes along and says, I am the vine. And he's making this amazing declaration to them. And they're wrestling with that. He is not just the vine, but he is the true vine, which implies that there are false vines. People, there, are, there are people, there are, there are issues, there are circumstances. There are other ways in which, which his people might think that's the true vine. And Jesus says, no, it's just me. It made me think back to when I was in college. I took this class on basic Christian beliefs. And we, we went through some key chapters in the scriptures. And we had to uh, we studied just a few passages of scripture. John 14, 15, 16. Those were three chapters that we studied. We studied uh, Romans 8. We studied 1 Corinthians 15. We studied Isaiah 53. And, and we, we studied these passages and we had to memorize three of these chapters as a part of the coursework. And when we got to, in fact, as we took exams, we had to write out the whole chapter as part of our exam. And we got to the final, and the, the professor handed every one of us a, an article. All of our articles were different. And we had no idea who had written the article, what, what publication it was in. And without using anything but what we'd studied in that class, we had to sit down and decide... Was the article being written? Was it was it legitimate? Was it orthodox or was it heresy? And it was it was fascinating to do this. And I, I had this article again, not knowing who, where it came from, and it was right about Jesus and the gospel. And it you know you read through it the first time and it sounds pretty good, and then the more I thought about it, I began reading it. I began to realize that what this author was saying was that Jesus brought the gospel as opposed to Jesus being the gospel. And this author was saying, Jesus brought the message of the gospel, Jesus taught the gospel, but when we read the scriptures, it's clear that Jesus doesn't just teach the gospels, he is the gospel. He is what it's about. And you could see how subtly different that path, those pathways were and I thought about that as I'm reading this Jesus saying he's the true vine he doesn't just talk about God, he doesn't just talk about the way of salvation, he is the only means of salvation and therefore the only means of true joy and experiencing God's desires for us now he says in this passage that we, our role our part to play in this is that we are to remain in the vine. He's the vine; we are to remain in Him. This word "remain," that's translated "remain," has lots of, of meanings. They're all pretty much the same, but they they take on different characteristics. It means to stay. It means, of course, to remain. It means to to stay put, to stand your ground, to remain firm. It has this sense of endurance and and the sense of of being constant. And it's used a number of times in other places in the scriptures. For instance, it's used by Jesus in uh, Matthew 26 as he's in the garden with his disciples. And they go there and he says to Peter, James, and John that he takes with him a little ways away from the others. And he he says, remain here and pray while I go over there and pray. It's that sense of staying there. In Acts 27, G, uh, Paul, they're, they're, they're in this great storm on the ship, on the sea. And Paul says to the captain, you tell the soldiers to stay, remain with the ship if they want to be rescued. Stay there, don't jump ship. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, Paul writes to him and says, even though we might be faithless, God remains Faithful, never changing and in John 6:27 Jesus says to his disciples, instead of, of filling yourself with the food of things that that will eventually disappear, make your diet, your food what is eternal, what endures, what remains eternally." And now Jesus says to his disciples, remain in me, stay with me, be connected to me. What does it mean to remain? Well, he says, those who remain in me keep my commands as I keep my father's commands. Now, the minute we hear commands, the first thing that probably pops into our head is rules, laws, regulations. It's, it's doing the right things. It's, it's knowing what we're supposed to do. It's figuring out what the laws and the rules are and then doing them. But Jesus says in this passage, as well as in John thirteen fourteen, all along, he says... Here's my command. It's not following rules. My command is love. This is my command. That you love one another. That your lives be filled with love. Someone says that that love is the sap that flows from the vine through the vine to the branches. It is the lifeblood of the vine and therefore the lifeblood of the of the branches love is the identifying characteristic of people who are connected to the vine to remain in him is to desire to have this passion for love it's not about rules and regulations it's about love it's about hearts that are That want to love the way Jesus does. Even when we fall short, even when we don't do what Jesus wants us to do, that's our passion, that's our desire, that's our motivation, our yearning. Not to follow rules that we can check off a list and then say, I'm good, but it's to love. It's to care about people who we may not want to care about. It's about being connected to justice. It's about being interested in people that we probably in our natural selves would be disinterested in. It's about sacrifice. Taking risks. All of the elements that we think about when we talk about love, genuine love, this is what it means to be connected to the vine, to remain in the vine. And in fact, if If we don't love, then something is wrong with our connection to the vine. And it's not as though we say, okay, I just have to love more. It's about wanting what Jesus wants. It's about being surrendered to Jesus so that his love flows through us. But instead of thinking about rules and regulations and checklists, it's about having our hearts Surrender to Christ, open to Christ in love. Now, One of the things that I, I find as I've been pondering this is that we have a tendency to put boundaries on our love. Something in the back of our minds has we've been convinced to think that you can love too much. Now, you know, sometimes people will say, well, I just love too much. Well, that's typically... When you look at it, it's a warped kind of love. It's a very self-centered kind of love. But I'm talking about truly giving of ourselves. Truly, truly caring for people. Sacrificing for people. Forgiving people. Being patient with people. Something in us wants to think that if we if we really do that with people, we can do it too much. They'll take advantage of us. They might misinterpret it. They might actually think that all we need to know about God is that He loves us and He wants the very best for us. I've been pondering that idea and it seems to me that if, if the people we interact with, because of their interaction with us, come to the place where they think The most important thing to know about God is that he loves us unconditionally. That ought not to bother us. That actually ought to make us think we're doing something right. Think about Jesus. Jesus isn't worried about rules and regulations. I mean, when do you see Jesus in the Gospels ever saying, okay, we can't do that, guys, because it doesn't fit the rules. He's shattering the rules and the regulations, not to be rebellious, but to be loving. Jesus is continually reaching out to people that everybody else ignores. Jesus is continually offering love to people who reject it, take advantage of him. I mean, we're getting ready to begin the season of Lent that that focuses on the act of self-sacrifice in love. And if this is what we see in the vine, this is what we ought to see in the branches. This act of, of love that thinks, I have no limits to that. Because this is the way God loves. You know, sometimes if we think we are loving too much, we, we are, we're, we're giving people too much space, we're, we're, we're being too forgiving, we're being too caring... Then it seems to me that we can compare our love to Jesus, and if we're loving more than Jesus is, then we have the right to pull back the reins a little bit. I suspect that's probably not going to be the problem. Imagine if God operated with that kind of mindset. He's looking at us and saying, You know, I I need to be careful how much I forgive them. I want to be careful how much I I express love to them because they might take advantage of my love. They might misinterpret my love. Well, that's exactly what we do all the time. But he doesn't stop loving us, his love continues over and over and over. I mentioned earlier about these, these Thursdays in Lent. And uh, how we are coming together with these corporate prayer times, and our, our prayer planning group, as we were as we we're talking through this, one of the questions we were wrestling with was: Do in this hour of corporate time, we want to have communion, and we want to have time to pray together, and we were wrestling with which we do first, because typically in our worship services, we we. Communion comes at the end, and what we've talked about and how we've thought through the worship kind of culminates in that. And as we were debating this, we were wrestling with maybe beginning with communion first, and then moving into prayer. And we eventually decided that's what we're going to do, and we're going to focus the communion not as a response, but focus our minds and and our hearts and our spirits on the love of God for us in Christ, And to let that time of communion be a time of of just letting his love soak into us. To read the scriptures that tell us how deeply God loves us. To think about the sacrifice of Christ for us. And to let the communion fill us, set the stage of, of our prayers. Because once we know the depths, we begin to understand the depths of God's love for us. Then we begin to understand his call to come and to pray. And to pour out our hearts for ourselves and for others and for the world. It's the foundation of what it means for Jesus to say, I am the vine. It's about love. Love for you, love for me. For the whole world. Now I think sometimes we wrestle to believe that God really loves us. And really wants joy for our lives because one of the things one of the acts of love for God of God for us is this whole concept that Jesus talks about of pruning the vine pruning the branches pruning is painful pruning hurts i don't you know obviously you know we when we when you prune a plant i don't know if plants feel pain i don't think they do but i don't know but you know, you, you cut, and, and you're cutting things back, and you're chopping, and you're cutting, and, and it's, it's potentially a painful process. And when God prunes our lives, it feels like a painful process. This word that Jesus uses to prune, it, in some translations, it's to clean. And it really has sort of the same meaning. It can mean both things, to prune, to clean. And you can kind of see the connection. Because what he's really talking about, if you're a gardener, what you're doing is you're cutting off the dead wood. Sometimes you're cutting off places on a, on a tree or on a plant that's not necessarily dead but it's just not going to it's 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 leading nowhere there there, there are little parts little growths that need to be broken off so that more can grow and that's what god does for us he's cutting off things in us that are limiting our freedom you know in in hebrews it talks about the sin that so easily entangles us and The pruning is is helping us get rid of those sins that so easily entangle us. The things of life that get our attention that become more important to us than Jesus is. That we think are so awesome and feel so secure to us. And he comes along and says, we got to cut that stuff off. Not just because he says, I don't like that. But because it keeps us from experiencing the life-giving love of God that fills us with joy. He's not doing that just because it seems like a fun thing for God to do. The ultimate end of it is to help us be who he created us to be and to know the joy of his presence and his spirit in us that we will not experience when we have all of this stuff in our lives that's choking out. His lifeblood in us. Sometimes it's things like wealth and possessions and material things that are not bad in of themselves. But when they become our highest priority, they start choking out Christ. And he's saying, if you really want joy, that deep inner sense of joy, we've got to do something about that stuff. Sometimes it's things like anger and bitterness and resentment that we don't want to let go of because we feel like people don't know how much they've hurt us and we need to let them know how much they've hurt us. And we hang on to these things and we think that it makes us feel better. What we don't realize is that it's killing us. It's choking off the lifeblood of God, of Christ in us. No wonder we're so unhappy and miserable. There are all kinds of things that get in the way that we think are so awesome and make us feel so secure and comfortable and safe. But in reality, when those things become the priority of our lives, they don't make life better. They choke off the source of true joy. If you had a chance to walk through the uh, the uh, CE building this morning, and you walked up the hallway by the offices. You might have noticed that they look a little different today than they have normally. They're all cleared out. They're empty, and uh, because tomorrow morning we're starting this big remodeling project, and um, we're going to there's a total remodel of those offices. And so for the next, I don't we don't know exactly six weeks or more. Uh, we're all displaced. Uh, Patty is set up in room 105. And we've got her office set up in there in the workspace. So if you're looking for the copy machine, that's where it is. Looking to find her during the week, that's where it is. And in fact, this door over here that goes into the offices is now going to be locked beginning tomorrow because there's a whole construction area in there. And uh, John is set up in the youth room upstairs. And Kevin and Cindy and I are set up downstairs in makeshift offices. I sort of feel like in the movie Office Space, they keep saying to the guy, we're going to need to move your office down to the boiler room. You know, uh, we're displaced, you know, we're moving all around, a little bit of nomads. But at this, and you know, it's, it's a little bit chaotic, but it's going to be awesome when it's done. Not only is it going to be an upgrade of, you know, the how everything looks, and and it's going to look so much nicer, but it's also dealing with things like making the bathroom handicapped accessible. It's going to deal with the issues, heating problems that we've had, and electrical problems that we've had, and... It's going, to, it's going to fix the sound problems that we've had, soundproofing the offices. And you know, th- there are just a lot of great things that are come, going to come out of this. But it's a little bit uncomfortable for the next month and a half or so. But we know what the end is going to be, and so it's worth it. Now in the process of this, we've all been trying, we've all had been forced to clean up, you know, clean out our offices, which gives us the opportunity to clean up our offices. And so we've been going through files and yet came and begin to tell you how much recycling we have created over the course of the last few weeks. Numerous trips to the recycling center, paper and things. And I keep looking at stuff and thinking, why did I keep that? What did I think I was going to do with that? I have no idea. You you know, you've been through that. And there is this, quite frankly, pruning process that's going on. And I'm actually in the process of of trying to digitize all of my files so I don't have any file cabinets and it's all be, you know, all uh, electronic files. And what I've discovered is that I have lived with a whole lot of clutter for a long time. And you just accumulate things. You don't even realize it. Until you start looking at it. And it feels very freeing to get rid of a lot of that. And there is something of what God wants to do in our lives. We live with all kinds of clutter, all kinds of stuff. It's not bad, it's just not best. And, and Christ is continually wanting us to let go of the stuff that clutters our lives, so that we can be free. We're disentangled from the things that squeeze out His life in us. But we need to understand: this is this command about remaining in Him. It's not just to us as individuals; it's to us corporately. Not to push the metaphor too far, but I've never yet seen a vineyard that had just one vine. I've never seen grapes growing in a vineyard that just had one grape. They always come in clusters. And I am convinced that this whole idea of remaining is not something we can do on our own. It is imperative that we understand remaining in the vine as a corporate part of our lives. Yes, we have to make individual decisions, but none of us can remain by ourselves. We need each other. We need the church. We need the community of faith to help encourage one another and love one another and, and hold one another up and challenge one another and support one another. We need each other because we so easily get entangled with self. And to have the community of faith as the place where we remain together strengthens our resolve and gives us energy and focus To remain in the vine, not just individually, we're just all on our shoulders, but together. And we become not just a branch of the vine, but branches. And we support one another, we care for one another, we love one another, we challenge one another. But that's what it means to be the church, to be God's people. that's why we have Sunday school classes and small groups and and we come together on Sundays and in a variety of ways because we have recognized that if we are ever going to remain in the vine, if we are ever going to be the people who who know the love of God and experience that and live in that, we can't do it by ourselves. We need each other. It's how God created us. It's how God designed this whole process. I am convinced that God's desire for his people is joy. Not just a little bit of joy, but as Jesus says, that your joy may be full. That despite the circumstances of life that may be difficult and hard, and sometimes the sadness that we feel... And the pain that we feel because we live in this fallen, broken world of things that happen. In the midst, even of all of that, deep down inside of us, there is this peace, this joy, because we are connected to the vine. We know we're loved. We know that we're His. We know that He will never leave us or forsake us. And it's not about us striving to do better. It's about simply surrendering our lives to Him individually and corporately and letting His love flow through us like sap through a vine and through branches. And when He flows through us, there is joy. So whatever we do, Let's not miss the joy that comes from remaining in the vine, surrendering to Christ, who loves us so much, He goes to the cross for us and is with us through His Spirit. The joy of remaining in Christ's love will transform us, our families, our relationships, our church, our world. Let's not miss the joy. Father, we thank you for your grace and mercy to us. Thank you for your desire to fill us with joy. Disentangle us from the stuff that so easily gets in the way of you that chokes out your love and set us free. We pray this through Christ, the source of our joy. Amen.
0: Please stand and join us as we sing together.
1: Come praise and glorify. and glory.